0: Really nicely mm-hmm. to my story. Oh it does? Yeah. Oh perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. You just oh, okay oh, <laughs> I was like crap. I was like, I can't see <laughs> Megan anymore. That's right. We're back. We're back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Back we have scared. Okay. Uh Welcome back, Poison Pals. You're listening to That Shit is Poison, hosted by your host, Hernie Bot. That was redundant.
1: <laughs> and your other host, Megan Gesner. And it's okay, Harini. I recognize that actually all our episodes start pretty redundantly because we yeah, have true. your automatic intro, and then we have our theme <laughs> yeah. song, and then we come on and we reintroduce ourselves.
0: You know what? It, guys, Poison Pals, if you don't like the redundancy, you know who you can blame? Isa. Issa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> poor Issa, what Issa? we love you this is not anything you need to be worried
0: about <laughs> no no i'm joking i'm totally joking it was so funny because i was talking to her and she's like you know what i actually really like that intro and i was like okay yeah, And so yeah. we brought it back by one person popular demand <laughs> <laughs> hey man she's one of our loyal listeners so we're mm-hmm. gonna do anything to please her <laughs> absolutely and i kind of do like that intro it's like very like It sets the mood, I would say. Yeah. It's soothing. It's soothing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, (laughs) I don't know why I'm so, I've got so much going on in my brain right now, but. um, Dude, same. My mind is a jumble. (laughs) It's a jigsaw puzzle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Poison Pals, I think you've figured it out by now, but Harini and I absolutely Mm -hmm. are engrossed in TikTok at this point in our lives. Harini, in fact, you you know, she posts TikToks. We have our own TikTok that shit's poison is it that shit is poison that shit is poison yep mm-hmm. on tiktok go follow, go follow us uh, but <laughs> yeah. nowadays we just send videos back and forth to each other right and so one yeah. video that has been circulating on tiktok is actually about a man who like recently not recently but like he found out that his wife or ex-wife was poisoning him with arsenic and so yeah. I saw that and I sent it to Harini and she messaged me back. She's like, oh my gosh, Drew, our mutual friend who also was a guest, guest host a while back,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, had also sent it to her. So anyway, I clicked on this guy's profile and I was just looking at all of his videos about his experience being poisoned <laughs> by his ex-wife. <laughs> and uh, this will actually tie, this ties into the story I am going to talk about today because the story I'm going to talk about today takes place in the 60s and 70s and mm. it is very reminiscent to a lot of our other Poisoner stories where it's like, how did the mm-hmm. doctors not know? Like, how did nobody figure it yeah. out? Like, how could this go on for so long? And then seeing this TikTok pop up where it literally occurred in like the 2010s sort of thing. Because I don't actually know yeah. when this guy was poisoned. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it must have happened like maybe what, like 2017, 2018 or whatever. I think but- so. But it just shows, like, his experience was exactly the same as those who were poisoned in, mm-hmm. like, Victorian era during the 60s and 70s. <laughs> like, like he didn't know what was happening to him, and neither did the doctors right. for so long. I think poison's so- making come comeback. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. also, Poison Pals, aside from all the our poison talk, uh, Harini is what
0: two weeks out from the wedding from her wedding yeah like actually less than a less than two weeks now
1: i know because you're going up earlier to the oh i guess so
0: i guess it is two weeks yeah yeah
1: but also so so before i got into the uh before we started recording i was on a call with again drew our mutual friend Uh and for the wedding poison pals harini has invited drew and i and other guests to participate in a dance and i guess it's like a traditional dance um that happens at Indian weddings. Okay. And we all said yes. And we're all so excited. But Drew and I were talking just now. And we're like, Oh, my God, (laughs) we have not practiced at all. (laughs) And we're just gonna just be just gonna we're gonna fake it till we make it.
0: Actually, I was just gonna this is gonna be like off pod discussion. But I was just gonna say I have stuff I need to give you Megan for the wedding because I have some of your dresses um, to give you. So I was like, we should also just like Practice, practice for the dance together yes just have absolutely. a little workout sesh
1: <laughs> i need it definitely that would be yeah, so helpful
0: because so, I, I was practicing last night and poison pals i don't know if we have any dancers in our listenership but i have danced i danced for like eight years and i still can't tell my left from my right honestly at times so when people film videos where like they're facing the camera which is how you should film a video when you're trying to send it to someone to learn a dance but then i forget that everything is mirrored so mm. i learned the entire dance got to a point where i like mm-hmm. but then i realized I'm like fuck is that her right leg not her left <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> Shit. No. and so then i had to go back and like learn it the opposite way which took me longer <laughs> oh my
1: than the God. first time around <laughs> you had to undo it I- all I had to undo it all and that's good for me to know now because now when I look at the video that you sent me I'll know okay I have to yeah. be cognizant it's I have to turn around and face the same direction yes. that, like they're facing yes. so to,
0: to do it right so yeah so Megan you let me know when you're free this week I'll pop on over <laughs> I will we'll dance awesome <laughs> or you can come over too maybe we can dance in the backyard yeah that'd, that'd be great <laughs> anyways Very. okay back to the TikTok guy <laughs> Yeah. We are just scattered today. Poison Pals, for for context, we haven't been recording. We haven't recorded in a while, or at least it feels that way. So we have a lot of stuff to chat about.
1: (laughs) I will try to make my story concise. um, Yeah. Because we got to get through a lot. And so... Let's just do it. Let's let's get it. Let's go. It. Okay, um, let's get okay. into it. Get into TikTok it, guy, yeah.
0: if you guys are interested, we'll link it. We'll link. <laughs> get into it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll link it below. Uh, you guys can listen on your your own diamond time. Yes. Okay, so on to Megan's story. All right, it is time for you to pick your poison after a long, long time of not mm. being on the pod. So let's let's do it.
1: Thank you, Harini. Today, my poison pick is thallium. I don't know if we've done thallium. Oh. I don't. Oh, son of a gun. How no, no, are no. you thinking about doing thallium?
0: <laughs> okay, yes, that was on my radar, but mm. my celebration was like, hell yes. I'm very yes. excited. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Mm-hmm.
1: And so, my poisoner of choice, who is known <laughs> for using thallium, is a gentleman by the name of Graham Young. Does that?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Does that? Have you seen that name? I think for people who are really well versed in just poisons and poison and pop culture, Graham Young Mm -hmm. is probably a name that's very familiar to you. But his given nickname as a poisoner is the Mm -hmm. Teacup Poisoner. And can you guess why, Harini? Why he's called (laughs) the Teacup Poisoner?
0: Well, you know why this is ringing a bell because my dad told me to do this story.
1: Oh sorry Papa Bot. <laughs> no, no. I took it. <laughs> and I was like,
0: Yep, tuck it away, tuck it away. And then just didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm glad um, you're doing it though.
1: Yes. Okay. So Graham Young, aka the teacup poisoner. He is a British gentleman who grew up in the London area around nineteen you know, nineteen well, his whole life essentially. But he yeah. became notorious from the 1960s through the 1970s. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to talk about him and then we're going to talk about the toxicity of thallium, which is a heavy metal. And so for those of you who have been following along, a lot of our podcasts that have to do with heavy metal poisoning, you'll know right away that the symptoms tend to be pretty similar between certain heavy metals. Mm -hmm. And I I think the reason why I love the story about Graham Young or just learning about him is that again, so many similarities between other poisoners we've covered who have used heavy metals as their poison of (laughs) choice. And then tying it back to this TikTok that we saw of just like, even though he was in the 60s and the 70s, which is very contemporary, they Mm -hmm. still didn't know how to identify metal poisoning. And it's just like mind blowing. Um, Harini, did you have something to say? I saw you kind of like inhale a little.
0: No, <laughs> I know. We're like so receptive to each other's cues now. <laughs> um, no, I was just going to say like there's common theme. Like when you said the heavy metal poisoning, I mean, obviously you're going to get into the story. We don't know yet, but teacup mm. poisoner kind of mm-hmm. gives it away in some yes, ways, Yes, but using a food or something like that to disguise mm-hmm. the heavy metal. Like we saw with the sandwich, that yes. sandwich is poison,
1: but yes. yeah, I'm curious
0: how, how this goes down. But also my thought goes to, this was the sixties and seventies. That yes. is wild to me. I'm still processing that, and of course with the TikTok guy, like I like you said, I think it's it was more recent, like the last ten years, yeah. and yeah, I think our ED specialists down at the emergency department they gotta brush up on their toxicology uh, a little bit mm. more. All those poisons, they're coming back. <laughs>
1: they're coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, question is, you did say like I feel like poisons are coming back, but like. Is that actually something that you see trending through? I don't know the connections that you have to like the poison control and like pharmaceuticals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like- I feel
0: like yes. Like I, I mean, I feel like true crime. We hear so much about like physical murders. You hear about it happening so much in like the Victorian mm-hmm. area where they would just poison, 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 and mm-hmm. then there was a huge lull. Like you would see things here and there, but it wasn't like the main mode of murder, quote unquote. But yeah. I do find, and this is a story I'm going to talk about for our next recording. But I am finding more and more that there's mm-hmm. poisonings happening more frequently, and I don't mm. know why that is. Interesting. Um, maybe because people are not able to detect it by based on the symptoms, because a lot of the mm-hmm. symptoms are nondescript. I will say, like you can get hair loss, and you can get like uh, stomach issues and things like that from a whole range of other issues. So yeah. it can be hard to nail down if you're not specifically looking for it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's, that's why it's so... Because it's like, we, from what I've seen through my sources, like people know how to identify it yeah. once they test for it. You know, like, exactly. oh, we finally did the test for the specific metal mm-hmm. poisoning. Okay, now we understand the symptoms. Um, right. But anyway, I will get into that actually a little bit more in the toxicology side. All right, let's talk about Graham Young. So for my sources today, I pulled from the U.S. National Library of Medicine national institutes of health i pulled from the journal of clinical and diagnostic research i pulled from the journal of toxicology reports i feel Ooh. like i should forward that one to you harini that might be like one that's just like good to have around in general yeah um i pulled from forensic science international a very fun website called a uh, which i will also forward you to harini i you know who knows if the this is credible per se, but they have a whole series on like multiple different poisons and they have like oh, cool. these great little graphics that like describe every poison's history, treatment, What LD50. It's actually, it's very neat. That's awesome. So I'll send okay. that to you. Yeah. And then, um, well, you know, Wikipedia is in there too. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. Goes
0: without saying. Awesome.
1: All right. Here we go. Graham Young was born in a suburb of London on September 7th of 1947. His mother actually dies. His biological mother dies of tuberculosis 15 weeks after his birth. So he never gets to know her. Oh, she dies in on December 23rd. Mm-hmm. Due to his mother's death, his father, I think, in some ways could not cope with that absence. Um, so he, right. his father, Fred Young, sends Graham and his older sister to live with his aunt and grandmother. Um, So actually, Graham is sent to live with his aunt and his sister's sent Mm -hmm. to live with his grandmother. And they are separated and live at, like, their respective family members' homes for about three years. And Mm -hmm. after three years pass, Graham's father, Fred, actually remarries to a woman named Molly and then the whole family is reunited again. So, yeah, like, (laughs) Graham is pretty much born... (laughs) And he doesn't live with his, you know, biological father until the age of three. I'm not saying that that I don't know if that impacts, you know, development in any way. Mm -hmm, But like mm -hmm. uh, basically in his like um, toddler years, he's raised by his aunt is all I'm trying to say. Okay, so his his father remarries to a woman named Molly. And during his formative years, Graham... And Molly do not take a liking to each other they're very openly animus <laughs> towards each other for example like if Graham did a small mistake or like he accidentally broke something or whatever right Molly would do like extreme punishments against him and so one example mm-hmm. would be like uh she smashed his model airplane collection after he'd made like a small misdemeanor in the household or she used she would she would lock him out of the house on several occasions just so like (gasps) he wouldn't bother her when she was in the kitchen what the heck and then another example that was given was uh she she used to play the accordion at at a local pub and when she had to watch (sighs) him at work she would make him just wait outside the pub while she played the accordion inside
0: (laughs) I shouldn't be laughing, but also who the freak plays the accordion? That's probably why.
1: I mean, okay, 50s or something and in London. I think anything goes. So maybe accordions Dude. were like the hot
0: shit back then. Dude, I just can imagine him just waiting. Like his hands are pressed up against <laughs> the glass of the pub waiting for her to finish her accordion solo. Totally. Because
1: like imagine he's like probably like a five or six year old kid just like sitting on the, sitting on the curb listening That's to so his stepmom sad. play accordion at a pub. In Um, the cold. I know. (laughs) The visual of him, like, as a child, putting his hands on the window and looking in makes me laugh. Okay, because here's another thing that I found out (laughs) from my sources. That just makes that image so... I shouldn't be laughing, but I am. But apparently, uh, when Graham was that age, his family would call him Pudding because he was kind of, like, overweight as a child and awkward. (laughs) So when you talk about, like, I just picture a little kid, like, standing in the window, I picture, like, a kind of round, chubby kid, just kind of awkwardly standing, looking in. Um, (laughs) It's so precious. But, yeah, they called him Pudding, and there's a suspicion, like, I guess, people that have studied him are like, I'm sure that that might have led him to become even more withdrawn and secretive. Despite being kind of like a slightly withdrawn child, Probably from a lot of different things, you know, having grown up with his aunt until he was three, having not so good of a relationship with his stepmother, Mm -hmm. being kind of mocked for his weight as a kid. Despite all that, he actually did really well in school um, in his primary like elementary school days. And because of this, his father actually awarded him with his first chemistry set. And that was great for Graham because... I guess temperamentally as a child he was always kind of drawn to things that might have been a little bit more dark like subject wise so he really liked like medical sciences learning about medical sciences maybe more so the macabre side because he would be into like crimes and like specifically murders by poison and how poisons affected the body and so that's the tie into the medical science side right and he also had he was there was an allure Towards the occult in black magic as well. And huh. he was very interested in Nazi Germany as another oh, like fascination. What a mix. What yeah. Mix. And this was all as like a very young kid, like at the age of ten, he was already kind of taking an interest in these things. Interesting. You know? Okay. Yeah. So his fascination in chemistry and poison led him to steal empty bottles from like the pharmacies trash bins or wh- wherever they would dispose yeah. back in the day. Even though there are empty bottles, it was like still cool enough for him that he was like, oh, I want to like steal these bottles. And he would also actually steal like poisonous chemicals from his school's laboratory. So I don't know, maybe he was taking the school's stock supply and like putting it in these yeah. bottles. Yeah. And uh, it's it's believed that at this early stage of his fascination in poison, he would experiment on the family cat who oh, the his stepmother Molly really liked, and so I'm um, in some oh, ways I'm okay. like maybe it was some a little bit of vengeance, but oh, also some early signs of possible psychopathy definitely. to harm animals. You know what I mean? So definitely. that's like him as like a child. <laughs> um, so skipping ahead a little bit in 1961, Graham is now about 14 years old. He's somehow able to buy 25 grams of antimony sodium tartrate which we've done an episode about before the george chapman episode that was Mm -hmm. his his poison of choice which is antimony so graham's able to buy 25 grams of of it from the local pharmacist and he simply just signs with the false name of m.e evans and the pharmacist is like good to go (laughs) take your antimony that's great Luckily, but also not so luckily, I think his stepmother discovers his poisons that he's been accumulating from his school and from the pharmacist. Mm -hmm. And she finds it in his bedroom and she reports it to the doctor, like their family doctor. And she also makes a complaint to the pharmacist who even sold it to him and was like, Yo, like this is a child. I know like Like a literal 10 year old. Right. Like, like this is, but, but again, I, I didn't do my due diligence to look into like what even were the laws back in the day about like Mm. children buying stuff on behalf of their family for the farm at the pharmacy. And then, so she makes a complaint to the pharmacist and then she also like Graham does get in trouble and he's, Mm -hmm. his father's like, you can, he's like banned from buying poisons sort of thing. (laughs) Like he's given a harsh talking to. Yeah. Um, does this stop him from continuing to buy poisons? Absolutely not, no. <laughs> because you no. know what he does, Harini. You what? want to know what Graham does? What? As a fourteen-year-old on the streets, <laughs> <laughs> he just goes to another pharmacy. Oh my and, god! And forges like another kit. letter.
0: Yeah, like yeah. Duh. So
1: yeah, so he just goes to Grounded. another pharmacist, <laughs> and he's smart. Like. At a very early age, he's learning to be sneakier and more discreet. So he's learning Mm. from, okay, this first instance, I I put in the effort to go to the pharmacist. I even forged a signature, but my mistake was hiding my (laughs) poisons in my room. So now what he does, (laughs) he goes to another pharmacist, forges a signature or, you know, a letter of authority or whatever. And instead starts stashing his poisons in some shed that's like by the river on his way home. Oh my you know? gosh. So it's it, it doesn't deter, like him being banned from po- yeah. poison so doesn't funny. deter He's... him. He just is like, I'll just figure out a way around it. Like, this is my <laughs> passion.
0: Um, is, yeah, you can't stop me. He's <laughs> just learning how to be a better poisoner. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, mm-hmm. at this time, the poisons of interest
1: for him, these are the ones that he buys specifically... Is Atropine, also known as Belladonna, Digitalis, which is foxglove, which you've yeah spoken about briefly, aconite, which you have spoken about, aka wow. Spain. So he buys yeah. that. So it's all like um actually herbal,
0: pretty yeah. herbal
1: um poisons. And then the mm-hmm. final one that's fascinating to him is thallium acetate, which is the heavy metal poison. Wow. So I didn't those know are he his buy that. Yeah, he buys it all for <laughs> for I don't I don't know what uses they had because I don't know. I need to do an episode about each one of these. I guess to know their uses yeah. back in the day medically. But yeah, he was able to buy this all from the wow. local pharmacist. <laughs> That's bizarre. Uh, in 1960s okay, yeah. London. Yeah. Nice okay. London. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Got so it. continuing throughout 1961, uh he begins experimenting with his poisons now that he's able to like store them securely in his shed and his his stepmom's not like you know, a busted, b- busted his balls over it. That's so fucked. I should have said,
0: but you get the idea. Um, yeah. Um, uh, She's yucking his yum hardcore. She yeah. back up. Yeah.
1: So he, he's officially able to s- begin experimenting with his poisons and his experimentation uh, includes administering some poison to his schoolmate, a child by the name of Chris Williams. He also starts experimenting with his poisons by, giving it to his own sister, Winfred.
0: Shoot. I was wondering when she was going to come back into the picture. Yes.
1: He also poisons his sister, Winfred, and he for sure definitely starts poisoning his stepmother, Molly. Of course. Um, Yeah. So Mm -hmm. as in his formative years, those are his like three victims. And at the tail end of his like formative years, his father also is a victim but only one of those people actually dies. So we'll get to that.
0: (laughs) Okay. The mystery ensues. Uh,
1: I know. Who is it who dies? (laughs) Um, Okay. So what's interesting though is for each person that Mm -hmm. I just listed that he poisons, he uses like a different poison per person, which is kind of interesting. Um, Mm. So for his schoolmate, he poisons him with the antimony tartrate. Um, He gives him a small enough dosage uh, each time which is enough to just resemble like gastroenteritis in food poisoning symptoms mm-hmm. um, yeah like if you go back to our George Chapman episode you'll learn about how antimony just basically makes you vomit and shit until yeah. you, you just perish um, but if it's a small enough dosage it just seems like food poisoning um, mm-hmm. like extreme enough food poisoning where you you do m- might have to be hospitalized and given fluids yeah. And how he was able to successfully do this with Chris, he, he somehow would persuade Chris to skip his school dinner and instead share sandwiches together. Oh my and God. those sandwiches would be laced with the antimony. Damn. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so he's the OG sandwich poisoner in some oh, ways. No, yeah. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> but you know what? That sucks because if I were to be poisoned, that's exactly how someone would lure me in. Free like, sandwich. I Yeah, free sandwiches. <laughs> I would skip any dinner for a sandwich. Yeah.
1: I think I've probably said this already on multiple podcasts at this or episodes at this point, but the more I learn at least about heavy metal poisoning and like rat poisons, <laughs> I just am so uncomfortable accepting free stuff from people these days. Like like uh, even true. if it's like a packaged candy in a wrapper, if it's a stranger yeah. who's just like, "Here's an individual candy." <laughs> in a wrapper i would not eat it like i just i don't know with you
0: yeah i'm with you on that
1: and like any food that's out of my sight that's in a public setting like like i like at the my old job we used to get catering from like a local sandwich business and their sandwiches Mm. were always so bomb but for sure those sandwiches are left unattended every once in a while like when you're in and out of the room (laughs) And in yeah. my head, I'm like, man, like, who's to say
0: someone's not just lacing it up with some heavy metals? Dude, it's happened yeah. enough in the workplace, and now in the school place, where it totally could be yeah. valid that that Absolutely. happens.
1: So anyways, so that's how he poisoned Chris. Chris does not die. He just is. It's just how we described with the George Chapman case, like he would get sick And then he'd go to the hospital. And then during his stay during the hospital, he'd recover greatly. And then the moment he returns back to school and gets a little bit of a sandwich in him,
0: he becomes sick again.
1: Um, But I think, like, because of the... I think I I read something that, like, Chris and Graham only would ever hang out on Mondays anyway. Because of the infrequentness of them hanging out, Mm -hmm. like, that's why Chris never actually, like... Had a lethal dose or I mean I guess Graham could have controlled that but that's Chris the story of Chris being poisoned And here's also that something that's Interesting about the Chris's poisoning The doctors that attended To him when he was first initially sick They thought his symptoms were Psychosomatic and so Oh okay so Remember this is the 60s at This point this is not Mm -hmm. 1903 Or Even when what's her name Christiana Edmonds was like poisoning people right because like that was something i know because they're all the same they're all british and they're all poisoning each other (laughs) um so that's my that's my recall there but like it just kind of was interesting because i'm like this is decades after christiana edmonds and george chapman and the doctors are still being like oh it's something that's psychosomatic and i'm like uh like when did medicine actually become like thorough (laughs) you know historically
0: (laughs) oh my god you know actually this is an episode i wanted to talk about is like how Mm. the poison control started and why and like the history Mm. behind that but the poison control didn't start until i think like the 70s or the 80s and i don't feel like there was an actual like i obviously they had a toxicology or a tox screening before that but i don't feel like it was routine or something that they were taught to look for Mm. back then okay
1: yeah, I believe that based on like yeah. what I read in this story, and I do know right. that actually what ha- what um, is part of the aftermath of this whole Graham Young story and his poisons poisonings and murders mm-hmm. is that there was the uh, an act that was passed. It's the Poisons Act of 1972 that was passed mm-hmm. specifically because of how his whole crime. Was yeah. able to like even play out, you know. Um, right. So I'll right. I'll get into that at the end um, to wrap up his story. But um, okay, so he poisons Chris, and again, I just want to remind listeners he's still fourteen at this time. So he's just like a Dude. young kid poisoning other people. Um, oh <laughs> he decides to use the belladonna. On his sister. Uh, We don't know why, like, no one really, he didn't have any, like, psychiatric evaluations during this time, but he Mm -hmm. poisons his sister Winfred with about 50 milligrams of the atropine, which is the belladonna, and he does this by putting it in her tea. Luckily for her, she only drinks a little bit because of the taste. So, you know, there is a there is a flavor that is there. And she was like, oh, this tea tastes bad. So I'm not going to have it. Um, Even though it's just a little bit, it is enough for her to get sick. And she is sent to the middle, the Middlesex Hospital where they actually do diagnose her with atropine poisoning. So maybe during. So maybe during those days. Uh, maybe medicine was a little bit more inclined to recognize like herb- herbal poisonings or mm-hmm. things that are from like plants rather than metals yeah. so I the reason why I texted you this earlier if we had ever done an episode on belladonna is because f- there's a fun fact I wanted to share about this Ooh. poison even though this isn't the highlighted poison of the podcast this episode yeah. Yeah, but yeah. um, the fun fact was so fun fact this poison which comes from deadly nightshade was once used as a cosmetic to dilate the pupils. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We See, learned I, didn't, school. I didn't know enough about this stuff. I'm sure that's like a very
0: common fact. It's uh, not though. I, it, it's not. I, I feel like that's only something you learn like if you were learning about the drug or you had to learn about the drug in school or for your profession uh. or something. Oh okay. yeah, that's something they told us about. Interesting. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> there's something about that. Yeah, continue, continue. <laughs> so
1: for po- Poison Pals who are like me, who actually don't know a lot about poison until you read about it or hear <laughs> about it, Belladonna was used as a cosmetic to dilate the pupils of the eye mm-hmm. to give a fashionable doe-eyed look and yep. was especially favored by actresses back then and models to counteract the effect of bright lights on film or on camera. Mm-hmm. So they would like just microdose themselves with some poison. <laughs> <laughs> so they could get big old pupils um <laughs> so i thought that was an interesting little aside. that is interesting yeah, yeah.
0: Um, beauty, beauty standards of different ages is always very interesting too i know you got the radium you got the belladonna yeah. my yeah. goodness
1: mm. anyways so okay so he poisoned his sister with the belladonna um and actually as an outcome of this his father does suspect him um, but it's not like, oh, I suspect you of malicious intent. It's like, oh, y- I know you have your chemistry set. You need to be more careful where you're putting and placing these uh. chemicals because it could harm your sister or the the family members or whatever. Yes, um yes. yeah, because like uh, th- they do like confront Graham about it, but he's he kind of blames it. He's like, oh,, it, it, you know. It was her shampoo that was accidentally, like, mixed into the teacup and wasn't washed out properly or whatever. Like, that sort of what?
0: thing. What? So <laughs> her shampoo was yeah. mixed in with the teacup? Uh, who how knows? The fuck Remember, he's a child. Would that happen? <laughs> he's a child. He knows
1: how to poison people, but is still, like, struggling to, like, figure like, out he's how to Like, he still, like, has a, a child's, like, lying yeah, brain. Yeah, exactly. It's like a child's mm-hmm. lie. But yeah. he's, he's not... You know, like he's he's reprimanded because they do think like there's negligence in how he's storing his chemistry stuff, and so that's why his sister might have gotten sick. And then that that's, that just you know resolves itself, and then he moves on to poisoning his stepmother. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, and so, man. um, with Molly. And we can infer that because of their strained relationship, this mm-hmm. was always going to be the more severe, fo- like the severer <laughs> poisoning. His his main focus, right? Yeah. So with mm-hmm. Molly, he mi- actually microdoses her with some antimony first um, for almost a year, from 1961 oh, through 1962. And you know the typical symptoms ensue. She's has constant stomach upset. She's vomiting, diarrhea for. A year a year long. She even oh, has man. multiple hospital stints where she clearly recovers, but the day she gets back, she's back to having stomach sickness and all that. Eventually he gives her a fatal dose on four twenty. I don't know why I thought that was funny. <laughs> he gives her <laughs> he gives her a fatal dose of thallium on April twentieth, nineteen sixty two, mm. which happens to be Good Friday during that okay. year. Okay. Um so it's hmm. like a religious holiday. And yeah. he gives her 1300 milligrams of thallium Holy acetate
0: crap for
1: reference the LD50 for thallium whether it's an acetate form or not is reported mm. to be 10 to 15 milligrams per
0: kilogram jesus so he
1: gives her a fatal dose of 1300 milligrams <sighs> yeah
0: how did uh, he get that wait so do we know how he did that like did he put in her food or something yes i am um, i just like gotta find i like scrolled my notes and then Mm -hmm. went away i was looking at what he looked like i just did a quick google search
1: he looks very modern i don't know how else to explain it like like he looks like someone that could be alive today even though i know like the 60s and 70s were not that far away you know but like (laughs) but he looks like very contemporary um
0: he looks like our good friend benny cumberbatch Oh, does he now I have to go and look at his photo again? Like at some, at some angles. Like he really grew out of that pudding phase.
1: Yeah. He's very, um, he's very lean and sharp. Like his, yeah. his, his picture on Wikipedia, like he looks sinister. Yeah. In some like, right. Like just very angular. Mm-hmm. Even with the widow's peak and the sharp <laughs> ears. Anyway, poison Palace, go look yeah. up Graham Young on Wikipedia. You'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so how did he give it to her? I'm not sure, actually. It could have been through tea or something. Yeah, maybe
0: it was through the tea. Yeah, it hence could have been tea through some poisoner. sort of
1: beverage or something. Um, I was going to share this later, but why I think he becomes so reliant on thallium. And I think there is a point where he, he like makes a judgment of like this is the best poison to poison with. It's because it's like colorless odorless and tasteless whereas antimony has a flavor right yes 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 so thallium has no flavor at all yeah that makes more sense to me mm -hmm. okay
0: so he could just drop i'm sure he dropped in her tea then
1: yeah and so i'm gonna read you an excerpt from the source that i'm pulling from which is the elements of poison it's the same Mm. book that i read the george chapman story on but it it goes as follows so this is after she's given the fatal dose The next day, Molly awoke with a stiff neck and pins and needles in her hands and feet. However, she went shopping in the morning while Fred, Graham's father, went out to the local pub where he had his lunch. Fred returned home to find his wife writhing in agony in the Mm. back garden, and Graham... Watching her from the oh my kitchen God. window.
0: Fuck no, dude. Mm-hmm. Fuck so shit. now
1: we're going back to that child in the window <gasps> watching oh my her play God, accordion. Megan,
0: stop, stop, stop. <laughs> oh my God, that's the freakiest image ever. <laughs> that is so creepy. And he's like older. I mean, yeah, when he's I was older, older now. he must be like 14, 15. But yeah, still, yeah. that's really eerie. Yep. Just a
1: full Yikes. circle right there. He's like, you always put me outside on the curb. Now look at you.
0: I'm looking I'm at you from the outside. From the, the, <laughs> <From> the in. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, man. My gosh. So I guess there was like no question whatsoever that he was involved.
1: <laughs> okay. So. Oh, God. Okay. Here we go. Here, here, here we here's, go. Here's the interesting little piece on this. So the post-mortem that was done on her did not reveal thallium poisoning Because Mm. they didn't test for it. They weren't looking for Mm. it, you know? And as we know with heavy metals at this point, you have to test for the specific metal to figure out if it's in the body. And typically it's a urine sample or a blood sample. Mm -hmm. So the cause of death actually for her that was put down was a prolapsed bone because Molly just so happened to have suffered a road accident like nine months earlier Where she had like a heavy blow to her head, and that caused like a Mm -hmm. prolapse bone in her spine or something or whatever. And they just were like, that's what caused it, even though that was nine months ago. I don't even know what that means. A prolapsed <laughs> bone. Okay. So he gets away with that, at least. He gets away with the murder of his stepmother. Oh, so Here's, she dies. She's dead. Yeah, she dies. Oh, yeah, she's Oh, yeah, you said fatal yeah, yeah. dose. You're right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. She dies from this dosage of thallium, okay. but they don't suspect that it was poisoned at all. They think it was because of this pre this pre-trauma from this accident that happened almost a year ago. Here's the thing. So once Molly passes, Graham then focuses his attention on his father. And actually when Molly was being initially poisoned with antimony, Graham was also poisoning his father with antimony, but kind of like was doing it half-heartedly. He's like, I'm going to focus on Molly as much as I can. So now that Molly's out of the picture, Graham keeps poisoning his father with some antimony. And it's the same, you know... Same symptoms mm-hmm. that you would expect. During this time, however, and I think it because Molly just died, his father Graham's father once again sends him to live with his auntie. You're okay? kidding yeah. me. But but he still has visitation with his father, right? So that's how he's still able to okay. poison him. But during so during this time, when his father is sick, Graham is sent to live with his aunt who actually suspects Graham. Who actually mm. is like, I think you're the one who's causing your father's illness. Wow. And the Did reason she said that to his face? Well, she she reports him basically. Um, oh, and the okay. reason why she has this thought is because she recalls, <laughs> "Oh, I definitely think he had something to do with his sister's earlier poisoning." You know what I mean? Like, she saw that when his sister was sick, she saw that as, like, intentful. Like, she saw, like, I think you tried to poison your sister. So now she's suspicious of him in terms of poisoning his father. Got it. She even searches his room for poisons, but is unable to find anything. What actually ends up being his undoing in this first chapter of his life as a child poisoner (laughs) is he becomes a little bit boastful at school. And Uh that's him being a child, you know, like that's just him not coming into his full sinisterness and intelligence Mm -hmm. just yet, you know. And so basically what happens is at school now he's in secondary school, which is like high school. Mm -hmm. He's built this reputation amongst his peers for being the quote mad professor and, he, and that's because he's extremely cavalier with telling his classmates that one day he's going to become a famous poisoner. And that's what he wants what to, heck? that's what he aspires to be. He would even take poisons to his school. And that's when his professors started to take notice uh, and a larger interest in his behavior and, and like his fascination in chemistry. Yeah. And so finally his science teacher was observant enough to report to the head teacher that like, Hey, this kid's bringing poisons to school. I feel like that he might've had something to do with his former classmate, Chris's illnesses because Chris's illnesses resemble the same symptoms that his stepmother and father had been going through. Mm -hmm. And so like the Mm -hmm. science teacher's putting this together in his brain. So he reports it to the headmaster or whatever it's, you know, whatever that's called. And then the, Yes. And then Dumbledore <laughs> reaches out to the... Fa- the <laughs> re- reach- <laughs> I like how you played along with that. Yeah. He reaches out to um, Graham's family's doctor and reports like, this is our suspicions. This is what we're thinking. And from there, the family doctor then refers a psychiatrist to come to the school and do an mm-hmm. interview with Graham. I'm not sure if this is legal, at least in the United States <laughs> these days, because I think you have to make it aware Like, I think you have to tell. I don't know. I'm pulling that out my butt. But I was going to say, I'm I'm pretty sure you have to disclose if like you're going to be interviewed by a, a like a psychiatrist, like a doctor these days or like you have to at least disclose that to the parents, I think. But okay. what happens here is the psychiatrist comes to school to the school, but they pretend to be someone from it's called the child guidance unit they mm-hmm. pretend not to be a psychiatrist they're like yeah, we, a counselor right i'm just a counselor to talk about your education and what you want to do for the future sort of thing they don't yeah. out <laughs> themselves as like i'm a clinical psychiatrist trying to figure out if you're a psycho
0: you know what i mean yeah, yeah i'm um, pretty sure that's illegal now
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so the psychiatrist actually kind of like hypes up Graham's ego to get him to disclose like the information mm. that they need. And what mm, they do is wrong. like, yeah, they're like, oh, you know, you're doing so well in school. You could definitely be admitted to this university. Like, what are your interests? Like, do you think you could do well here? Like, And so Graham as a mm. child... Mm-hmm. Obviously falls for that, and he pretty much discloses his entire knowledge of chemistry, which most yeah. of it has to do with poison. And so right. the psychiatrist is like, "This kid knows a lot about poison, specifically, <laughs> and it, for sure he ha- is involved with all this, like everything that's happened to Chris and his family." But but what they still don't know is that he's responsible for um, his stepmother's actual death. Gotcha. Yeah. Anyway, so the psychiatrist is like gives the green light of this kid as a problem and he needs to be helped or put away in some way. Like there needs to be some Mm -hmm. sort of like evaluation of him long term. Graham is actually arrested, but charges against him are like to cause serious injury to others. Mm -hmm.
0: Intent to harm. Yeah,
1: like intent to harm sort of thing. Those are the charges against him. And that's only for Chris, his sister, And his father's poisoning because they Mm -hmm. didn't test for thallium in the stepmom's autopsy. They don't even connect those dots. They're just like, oh, she definitely died from that accident instead of like actually being poisoned. Right. So police are called in. Graham's question. He confesses to the poisoning of his father. He does not give any additional information on the stepmother. Like he's smart enough to like not speak on that at all. Because then he for sure would be in jail forever sort of thing. And I think he is smart enough to recognize that. So he's then arrested. He pleads guilty during his trial for these charges. And he's sentenced to 15 years detention at Broadmoor, which is also where Christiana Edmonds was institutionalized. Oh, shoot. So, yeah. So he's institutionalized at Broadmoor. By the time he starts his sen- like sentencing there or his stay there, he's about 15 years old. During his time there, actually in his early stages there, he did not want to reform. You know, he was still very like, I love poison. I'm going to poison my the inmates here. I'm putting poison <laughs> oh in the tea. He was definitely a problem. Those are things that he did. Like there's a, a story slash rumor, but I, I think it's true. I think it is true like, Because of the time he spent there, he was able to read a lot more like medical texts and read Mm -hmm. a lot more about poisons and stuff that he was able to create like his own cyanide from the laurel bushes that were on the grounds. So he was able to like extract cyanide from the source and he poisoned an inmate who ended up dying, but they ruled it a suicide. But I think it was definitely him because I think he talks about it in his eventual trial. There are other inmates yeah, yeah. who lived at Broadmoor who wrote autobiographies and they described Graham as like, oh, he was open about wanting to become the world's most famous poisoner and he would definitely like put poison in the tea or like try to poison the nurses and all these things like dang. Yeah. Uh, but then around 18 Can't years stop of age up, <laughs> I know. Oh, and also <laughs> in his room, he had tons of Nazi regalia on his walls. Like what he was a full I don't know, uh, just a n- Nazi sympathizer. Yeah, like, like, he, he yeah, adored Hitler's writings and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, Dude, he's
0: probably on meth too. <laughs> if,
1: if he had access to poison, I'm sure he had access to meth <laughs> and Broadmoor. But around the age of 18, he's finally kind of recognizes, like, oh, if I don't behave well, I'm never going to get out, sort of thing. So, like, that's like, <laughs> to me, that's not poisoning sinister. people, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that to Jesus. me that's more sinister because it's like it's this final recognition of like, wow, I want to be the world's most famous poisoner, but I can't achieve that i if I'm in this one facility, you know for the rest of my life that's or right. for the next fifteen years, so he's wises wises up, I guess, and starts mm-hmm. to like play the goody two shoes and just you know he kind of eases up on like poisoning people in the in the <laughs> institution. And by 1971, so that is eight years into his sentencing, eight eight years into the 15 years that he's supposed to spend there. By 1971, the psychiatrist who is responsible for looking after him, along with the main superintendent both are like mm-hmm. you know what he's been doing really well he seems reformed he hasn't been causing problems for a while now we're gonna put in a recommendation for release to like the wow. head secretary or whatever so right just by like being good quote unquote good and not causing problems for a long enough time he is able mm-hmm. to be released six years damn you know six years earlier than he should have Wow. Um, so that's his time at Broadmoor. And then here we enter the last stage of the story, which is when he's like an adult poisoner, essentially. So by the time he's released, he's now 23 years old. Okay. After his release, he spends a weekend with his sister and then immediately goes to oh, find hell no. Work. She no, he <laughs> lets him live with her? So, so weirdly apparently she's the only one of his family that's willing to stay in touch with him. And so they have huh. what seems like a healthy relationship. Like his father doesn't really want to see him. So yeah, he, you know, she's, and she is eight years older, you know, like she's a, she's a oh, lot older. Okay. Maybe she Got feels it. some, I, I can only speculate, but maybe she feels some yeah. sort of like forgiveness towards him of like, you know, you were just mm-hmm. a kid when you were experimenting with your belladonna and like, maybe you didn't mean <laughs> yeah. to get me sick. Like, I don't know. Right. Right. Um, So, <laughs> He only stays with her for a brief time anyways because he goes to find work through the government training center in uh, SLO, S-L-O-U-G-H. That's just the the town that this is in. Yeah. And he does a three-month course on storekeeping. So this is just like a training center where you can figure out what occupation you want to get and get training on that. And so while he's doing this three-month training, he lives at a hostel and um, he befriends Mm-mm. some folks at the hostel, and maybe he poisons them a little bit like he maybe,
0: there. maybe he dabbles..
1: <laughs> Jesus. Um, but he does actually like uh, I there's one notable case. There's a young man of Trevor Sparks who he he befriends while in Slow. Mm-hmm. and he does target him just to get his poisoning fix. I think he gives Trevor antimony. and so, The question is, okay, he literally just got released. How did he get access to poison again so quickly? Well, what he does is he goes to a pharmacy (laughs) just like before. God damn it. These damn pharmacists. And he he requests for you know the poison that he wants and he makes some sort of like BS excuse of like, oh, I'm doing doing this for research. I go to the local Bedford College, which is in the area mm-hmm. and I'm, I mm-hmm. need the stuff for my research. but the pharmacist is like, no, he rejects him. You need okay. written authority to buy yeah. this stuff. Good. All right, so get this. Oh no hurry, you're not gonna be pleased. <laughs> oh no, get this. So he's like, okay, he leaves. <laughs> literally comes back with just a notepad that says bedford college on it like just like a nice like officially embossed bedford College yeah, yeah, notepad yeah. okay with his written note and the pharmacist is like "Yup, this checks out here you go <laughs> like
0: that's really all he does oh my lanta no yeah. no, no no no
1: yeah so so he gets the <laughs> the poison Jesus. pretty quickly and he poisoned this Trevor Sparks guy, but Trevor lives; he he does not die. What's weird about this part, though, that kind of like I'm like I don't know why there are gaps here. But during his time at Slow, when he's doing this this three month training, Graham Young he does he meets with like a psychiatrist every once every month. He meets okay. with his probation officer weekly. There's mm-hmm. authorities in the area who keep an eye on him, at least when he's at the training facility. Yeah. So there's all these like things in place to ensure yeah. like he's on his best behavior. But for some reason, they can't put together at a hostel with this guy who's getting sick. Right. But but it just never gets put together because the people at the hostel don't know Graham's backstory. They don't know he just came from Broadway. You know what I mean? And no one's Jesus. asking those questions.
0: <gasps> that um, kind of scares me about hostels now. I
1: know. <sighs> They're so nice. Though. Sometimes hostels
0: are so nice. <laughs> anyway, girl, all girls hostels.
1: <laughs> yes, all girls. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you never know. Anyway, yeah, you never know. Girls can be crazy too. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: So he has a little stint in slow. Gets his little poison fix. Doesn't actually kill the person. And then mm-hmm. after his three months of the tr- at the training facility is over, he actually is able to land a job as an assistant storekeeper um, at a firm. Uh, this is just like a fun fact okay so yeah he he lands a job as an assistant storekeeper at a firm that manufactures optical lenses and photographic equipment and this firm is called Hadlands. um it's named after like the owner of the store it's just mm-hmm. called hadlins um what's a fun fact about this is that it just so happens that Hadlands was one of the few companies in britain to use thallium legitimately because the metal of thallium Mm-hmm. imparts a high refractive index to the glass that was used as lenses oh. so first when i was reading this i was like oh my gosh how sickly brilliant is graham young to specifically yeah. apply for a job that they're going to be using thallium anyway but it turns out the the thallium that's used in this firm mm-hmm. is not in the same way as Got how it. you'd have to poison with it he still had to go to a pharmacist like he couldn't just use whatever this company was using on hand. I see what you're um, saying, yeah. But I thought mm-hmm. it was a very interesting like coincidence that even the yeah, people that that from, Yeah, that is bizarre. It was very weird. So he gets a job as assistant storekeeper at this optical lens manufacturing firm. He does go through a background check, mind you, when he <laughs> uh, gets this job. And... As I had mentioned, because during his time in slow, he's, you know, regularly seeing his psychiatrist, m- meeting with a probation officer, authorities, all of that, nothing negative was reported from his time at slow, right? So that's part one of his yeah. background check. So like, yeah. okay, so he, he's able to do that. He aces that part. A medical report was also sent f- from his one psychiatrist at Broadmoor, and the medical report stated that, um, quote, Young had suffered a deep-going personality disorder. He has, however, made an extremely full recovery and is now entirely fit for discharge. He is above average intelligence. He would fit in well and not draw attention to himself in any community. So that's what the medical report stated. And that was acquired by the people hiring him at this um, optical lens firm. But the report not once mentioned his criminal background, like the trial he went through, and not once mentioned that he was at Broadmoor institution. That's so weird. Yeah. Very, very odd. And, um, when the, when the hiring manager, (laughs) for example, when the hiring Mm -hmm. manager asked Graham Young, like, oh, you know, you're 23, but this is your first job. Why is that? Graham just replied. He was like, oh, I actually did have a mental break. Um, when I was younger due to Mm -hmm. my mom dying in a road accident. And then they just were like, okay, good enough. You know, like, that's it.
0: Damn, he knows how to lie now. Yeah. No more shampoo got mixed in with the (laughs) teacup.
1: No, he's he's a lot smarter now, like just more refined in his evil thinking. Jeez. So, yeah. So that's that's pretty much that he gets hired into this job. And as a result of him being hired into this position, he poisons more people. Jeez.
0: This is where I'm
1: I'm going to do this story an injustice because there's a lot more detail here. And it is more if you really want to know, like how, what happens with the victims and stuff like mm-hmm. go, please look up graham young um and you know do the reading that you need to do to get your poisoner fix (laughs) but i'm just gonna go briefly into the his final yeah you know poisonings so while he's at this company hadlins he successfully poisons four technically five people but four people um it's it's enough to where they're all hospitalized. Okay, two of those people die. So he Shoot. does end up murdering two of them. The first person he poisons, and this is one of the first fatalities at the company, is a man named Bob Eagle. How Graham poisons him is he gives he first starts with small dosages of sodium tartrate. And then he gives a lethal dose of thallium, much like how he killed his stepmother. So it's the same process. It's small doses of one thing and Mm -hmm. then this lethal dose of thallium. Hmm. The one thing that was notable about this murder of Bob Eagle is that when Bob was hospitalized, Graham would like frequently check in on his progress. He'd be like, how's Bob doing? Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Just kind of wanting to know like what was going on. That's suspicious. The coroner, when Bob passed away, attributed his death to the Julian Barr syndrome, which actually has a lot of similarities to symptomatically there's similarities to thallium poisoning. And so Julian Barr syndrome is a syndrome where your immune system attacks your nervous system, leading to an onset of muscle weakness. And Mm -hmm. when you have thallium poisoning, you feel a a extreme muscle weakness after a certain point. So that's one of the symptoms. So they attributed his death to this rare syndrome, which was not actually the case. Case yeah. of poisoning. To add insult to injury, Graham is actually promoted into Eagles' oh position. Oh my God. Once he he passes away. So now <sighs> Graham is the head storeman at oh, Hadlins.
0: Jeez, that is the devil's justice right yes, there. Yes,
1: that is. Oh <sighs> After Bob's death, or you know, simultaneously, but Graham poisons two gentlemen. One's named David Tilson. The other's name is Jethro Bott, B A T T. And he he chooses to poison them with thallium, but small enough dosages. They are both hospitalized, and they do survive, but they're both left permanently impotent by the poisoning. So that's wow. an interesting little um, side effect of thallium yeah. poisoning. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then lastly, his last victim, who is the second person to die at the company, uh, was a man by Fred Biggs, just like with Bob and the stepmother. Graham gives Fred antimony at first, but then, on his final date of poisoning him, he gives him three doses of thallium acetate. This lethal dose for Fred is administered on in October of nineteen seventy one and he dies in November of 1971, wow. which just shows that thallium is actually quite slow acting. Yeah, yeah. And so mm-hmm. on that note, we can get into the toxicology. Yes. Oh, wait, but um, in terms of what happens with Graham, just like with all the other poisoners that we have seen, he shows too much of an interest in one of his victims. And that pretty much yeah. outs, outs him. Cause what happens yeah. is the, owner of the company or whoever like whoever the lead manager of the company is actually calls in a doctor to inspect why are all my employees getting yeah. sick like what's happening and the doctor attributes it to some other reason or whatever and Graham can't help but be too nosy and too trying to prove his intelligence by being mm-hmm. like you're wrong have you oh, considered yep. metal poisoning oh my And God. that was the that was the tip off the doctor was like you're too knowledgeable and interested. And you're trying to push that this is metal poisoning so much that it is suspicious. That's that's, crazy. That's how he's found out. And then he goes to trial and um, all that he's arrested kind of like, (laughs) what is it? Tale as old as time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if he's, is he still alive or is he still in jail? Okay. So this was in 1972. No, he's, he died. He died in 1990.
1: Yes. In prison. Yes, in prison. And then I was going to mention, as a result of his crimes and honestly the easiness of purchasing poisons from pharmacies and also just like what we saw with Christiana Edmonds and the George Chapman one, like the doctors, even the psychiatric doctors in every one of these stories, just not recognizing the signs early enough or being too proud maybe to be like, Something's wrong with my patient and they shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't be out in the streets or, you know what I mean? So because of all this, as a result of his crimes, the UK passed the Poisons Act of 1972. And I'll just read the Wikipedia definition. But the Poisons Act of 1972 made it so that any sale of non-medicinal poisons needed to involve the local authorities and the Royal Pharmaceutical Society of Great Britain as Mm -hmm. part of that regulation yeah that's pretty much it so it's basically like it's not just going to be a conversation between (laughs) a child and a pharmacist it's going to be like there's probably um, now a background check there's need to have actual proper authority from like the royal pharmaceutical society of great britain you know has to be involved Mm -hmm. in all that so yeah because i
0: was going to say like there isn't a medical that i'm aware of a medical use of thallium so i'm like They must have been like, why the heck are you buying so much of this? Right. Right.
1: So back in the day, again, not a surprise. We could guess this by now, but thallium was mostly used as a rat poison, Mm, Um, just like how strychnine was, you know?
0: That makes Um, sense.
1: So I think it was easy for people to just buy it as like a household poison to (laughs) kill your rats. But um, yeah. So, okay. I know this has been a long one, but let's get into the toxicity of thallium. All right. Thallium is colorless. It is water soluble. That's why I guess I didn't really mention him putting stuff in teacups too much. But <laughs> to go back to that, the reason why he's called the teacup poisoner is because specifically when he was at Hadlin's, mm-hmm. he one of his earlier duties was being the tea cart guy. Oh, and he yes. would always bring people their tea and their spe- their special mugs or their coffee and their special mugs. Oh, so shoot. it was easy for him to put thallium in exactly who he knew he wanted to poison because each person Dude. had a mug
0: specific to them. That so is that's like why the called- worst yeah. job for him to have of all people.
1: <laughs> I know. He was probably like, this is heaven. Like, he I know. like, wow. I How did I get so lucky? I know. So yeah. So uh, that's why he's called the teacup poister. It's so going back, it's water soluble, it's tasteless, it's a heavy metal. I mentioned this earlier, its lethal dose is reported to be ten to fifteen milligrams per kilogram. Death can occur in adults with doses as low as eight milligrams. Jeez. Thallium is quickly and almost completely absorbed via all pathways. What that means is that if it touches your skin, it's easily absorbed through your mucosa mm, in your skin. I didn't know that. Um, okay. Yes. Uh, if, you know, if you ingest it, it's absorbed in your, your gastrointestinal tract. Yep. It can be inhaled as well. Um, that's typically something that happens if you're in an occupational space that deals with thallium um, and then, you know, goes into to your res- respiratory system. Yep. Also with the skin thing, that's also something that happens uh, if you're in a certain occupation where you're exposed to thallium like that. Weird thallium can come in the form of thallium sulfate or thallium acetate thallium sulfate is what is typically found in rat poisons and ant killers killers okay not the human form of ants but like the insect ants. yeah <laughs> we got that um, I think. yeah <laughs> well i don't know i mean i guess he didn't try to poison any of his ants but
0: I, yeah i'm surprised he didn't poison the ant that he lived with maybe he felt yeah. grateful towards her
1: yeah. Even though she suspected him of poisoning yeah. and reported his father him. and sister. I know <laughs> what's very interesting about thallium is that actually there are numerous recorded cases of homicidal thallium poisoning that it has gained the nickname, the poisoner's poison. Really? Um, and it, what what I find so fascinating about that is that we always think about arsenic as a classic yeah. point, like um, heavy metal poison or whatever. Yep. But thallium is actually more often used as I a did not poison. Know that. And the reason is is because it is slow acting, it is painful, and it has a relatively wide range of symptoms that are synonymous with many other disorders. And of that's why course. people use it so often God. as like a murder weapon because for example, it resembles dis- um, you know similar symptoms that you could get if you have botulism poisoning. If no you have way. the Julia Barr syndrome, mm-hmm. it has the same symptoms of if you have lead or arsenic intoxication. Oh um, yeah. And when I say slow acting, I kind of gave some time frames in, the, in some of the victims' stories. But if you're given a very small dose of thallium, you don't see the sim- like the severe symptoms for it until like a week later. So yeah. for example, some of the symptoms so the i think there are like three main identifiers that you have thallium poisoning and that is one alopecia, which is hair mm-hmm. loss.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: gastrointestinal symptoms that could be abdominal pain and or vomiting or any of the, uh, any of that. And then the third one Is painful peripheral nerve damage or, Mm. um, you know, sensory, they say painful sensory polyneuropathy. But what that Mm -hmm. means is like you get pins and needles in your extremities, hands, feet, legs, and you have hyperalgesia, which is just heightened sensitivity to pain and an extreme response to pain. So those are the three main identifiers of thallium poisoning. Hmm. But those symptoms do not happen until like, like I said, like a week after you've had it in your body. It's so scary. And that's why, yeah, like that's why it's such a good poison because you could give it to someone, never see them again, yep. and know that they're not gonna think anything about it. They're just gonna have like the G. I stuff first. Yeah. And then they'll probably feel fine. They like it's it I did read like you actually can get back to normal and feel fine after the GI stuff, but then suddenly your hair starts falling out. Like 10, 10 days after. And then by that by then it's too late. You know, that's and what's, so wild. What's scary and sad is that the hair loss is what ultimately tells doctors that you have a heavy metal poisoning. But yeah. that doesn't happen until you've been sitting with it for so long.
0: You know, and is it is it too late by that point? Would you say
1: it's not too late? But I think. OK, so here's a nice silver lining. <laughs> if you see hair loss, that means you've been given a small dose. That's the good oh. sign. Which means that you can probably survive it. You okay. might have permanent damage, for example, like impotency, you know, mm-hmm. or some sort of neural neural damage in your periphery in mm-hmm. your fingers or whatever. It's definitely too late if you feel the symptoms immediately, because that means you've been given a fatal dose. Does
0: got that it. Make got sense? it. Yep, that does.
1: Your hair doesn't even fall out at that yeah. point. you just
0: um, it doesn't have time.
1: <laughs> it doesn't have time for it to like sit. <laughs> yeah, I think what happens that once you get a fatal dose, it's the convulsants. It doesn't impact your your neural pathway, so you get that. What's it called? Uh, muscle weakness immediately, mm-hmm. and the reason why that is is because. Thallium has very similar properties to potassium and sodium ions, and so the body can't distinguish between thallium and potassium when it's in oh, your shoot. system. Potassium ions have a number of roles in the body, including the transmission thro- of messages through the nerves. Mm-hmm. And so that's why with a fatal dose, thallium's mimicking you know potassium on your, your receptor sites, and yeah. your, your body's just not getting the messages that it needs to mm-hmm. act properly. And that's why you get the muscle weakness and the convulsions and that sort of thing. There is an antidote. Or, oh, thank God. So first off, to manage any neuropathic pain that you might have, you're going to get a combo of antidepressants, anticonvulsants, and opiates. So that's for Ooh. the hyperalgesia, the, pain. Yeah, the extreme okay. pain. Specifically, to actually counteract the thallium and remove it. Patients are given Prussian blue. There was also another side that was like, you could also use activated charcoal in some ways, but Mm -hmm. Prussian blue seemed like the main thing. And the reason why Prussian blue works is it has the ability to incorporate, this is from Wikipedia, (laughs) shamefully, shamefully, (laughs) Um, but it has the ability to incorporate monovalent metallic cations, which makes it useful in chelation. So, to yeah. simplify that, it has cations that basically help bond to the thallium and then just imagine like, okay, you get this, you ingest this Prussian blue tablet and it goes into your system and then because of the cation with the, I don't know what, the anions of the metal or whatever, mm-hmm. it binds together, that's the chelation process, and then it makes it easier for your body to expel it. So it yep. usually comes out in your stool. Yeah. Um, does yeah. it make your so, shit blue? I think so. Yes. <sighs> yeah. So what Prussian blue ultimately does it it interrupts the process of thallium just bouncing between your liver and your large intestines. You mm-hmm, know, um, mm-hmm. because thallium takes a long time to come yeah. out of your body. It keeps circulating. So yeah. Exactly. So it binds to it and then helps it from stop circulating because then your body actually expels the Prussian blue um, with the thallium in it. Um, and then the other thing. Uh, The last thing that helps with like getting it out of your system is hemodialysis, a.k.a. kidney dialysis. Um, And that's usually done early if there's a massive toxicities Mm -hmm. in in the body.
0: I mean, that's good that there's a good antidote for it.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's I will say this is the scariest heavy metal that I've read about. Yeah, but it's (laughs) very weird that there's an actual antidote.
0: From what you were saying and like the data that you presented, I did not realize that this is one considered the poisoner's poison because it's mm-hmm. been used so much for murder. Like, I didn't know it's mm-hmm. like the poison of choice over arsenic, which is what you were saying. I totally agree. Like, I feel like that's what we think of mm-hmm. when we think of heavy metal poisoning is arsenic. So, I yeah. have no idea. This one sounds really, really scary
1: right it's really interesting there's some fun little tidbits that I saw like on the wikipedia page for Graham Young mm-hmm. apparently there was like a young girl in Japan in 2005 who really idolized him and ended up getting her hands on thallium and poisoned her own mother and like oh, took shoot. a blog about it and stuff like that and I think it's such a common homicidal poison mm-hmm. because of its accessibility as a rodenticide but I will yeah. say that from what I understand, from what I read, it's pretty much banned in most developed countries as a rat poison these days. Some Got countries it. still that allow it, sense. but it's banned. Don't think the U.S. allows for it. I would be surprised if
0: they did. I I would be so surprised if they do. The only, like before you telling this episode, mm-hmm. my only knowledge of thallium in pop culture, which actually I talked about in, in one of my earlier episodes i think it was like episode six or seven when i was talking about like lsd mk ultra how the u.s government was kind of dabbling in different types of poisons and drugs and things like that to use Mm -hmm. as like warfare and Mm -hmm. they did use thalam like they dabbled in thalam for a little bit i don't know if you remember this me saying this megan Mm -hmm. but they were planning to put it in che guevara's shoes Mm -hmm, so that mm -hmm. he loses hair remember i was telling you about that Um, because that was what he's known for like his that was like his whole persona like his image right and so they wanted to make him lose his hair because as you mentioned you can still be affected by just touch so having it in his shoes it would be absorbed into his skin and he would lose his hair over time and then maybe like his whole image and what he stands for would decline but they never got to actually do that
1: that is so interesting see I wouldn't have understood the mechanics of (laughs) of that like I'm like we had done stories on uh, uh, nerve agents and stuff where it's like, okay, if it touches your skin, you know, yeah. there's a threat. Yeah. I obviously at the time when you were doing the MK ultra story, I wouldn't have known anything about thallium. So I would just assume no. like, Oh, it's a, you know, it's another nerve agent, but no, it's a heavy metal <laughs> that just is very absorbative in the skin. Yeah. So, but that's so funky. Like what a right? fun fact. I know. That's and it's so crazy. like, it's so like, I don't know how to explain it. Like it, would obviously, okay, if, hypothetically, if they did put thallium in Che Guevara's shoes, he would get sick from it too. He wouldn't just <laughs> lose his hair, you know, like he would totally. also get pretty ill. But yeah. there's something like juvenilely um, sinister. Yeah. About the concept of, like, we just want him to lose his hair because... Right. It's like that's petty his, almost. His, if, yeah, like, but, but it's also, like, smart because, like, yeah. that's what people know him for. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know. I'm just, you know, thinking out loud. Like, it's,
0: it's, like, the best way to get at him without killing him,
1: you know? <laughs> right, right. Next best like, thing, I a, suppose. I'm trying to think of, like, is there, like, someone in our current time right now whose hair is so famous that, like... Donald for Trump. them to lose their hair okay well i, well, mean, I guess he
0: doesn't have part of me well, i'm is like that, that hair's hair or... already gone yeah, like, yeah no, i was
1: just gonna say it wouldn't affect him because it just like it's, it's his toupee would just stay
0: like My, the only um, thing i can think of is like harry styles yeah <laughs> but even then there's no one like, be, like super someone famous. who's like really yeah someone who's like really in power someone who's super influential but anyways let's go into our antidotes yeah let's do it yeah Okay. Okay, so I will start. My antidote, it's an easy one this week. It is my I had my bachelorette this yes. last weekend, I think it was now. Um all my girls came including Megan and it mm-hmm. was just a really good time. Kind of similar to what Megan was saying like when she got back from Hawaii and just had like this, you know, revitalizing girl energy around her. I had that same feeling and Megan I don't know if mm-hmm. you felt the same but it was eight of us girls and it just like it was like all my friends from like different parts of my life
1: mm-hmm. coming
0: together and there's just such good energy with all of us so really happy we got to all spend time together some really solid hanging out time um mm-hmm. and I just had a, I just loved it all so that's my no, antidote
1: I, I totally agree like um actually I did get uh some flashbacks to Maui when I was at your bachelorette cuz I was like yeah. it's a it was a, a a very gorgeous cabin out in mm-hmm. Seattle like 2 hours out of Seattle um you know we're in the woods and this cabin's so beautiful and I've met most of Harini's fr- like friends at this yeah. point. Maybe one or two people I, I hadn't been introduced to yet. But, mm-hmm. like, you know, all ladies sharing this cabin. So chill. Having a good time together. Like, no hard expectations on one another. Yeah, I, kn- no. I To be honest, actually, this is my first bachelorette that I've been to. I mm-hmm. think I've been invited to one before, but this is my first one that I've actually been to. Yeah, And I was like this is so chill <laughs> yeah. and so like, go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Everyone just helps out. Like, I think that's also kind of like who you are, Harini. Like there was no yeah. hard expectations. Like you were like, I want to do this, this, like, yeah. and if you did say that we would have gone with it, of course. But like, right. I just know, I understand that e- like with bachelor parties and bachelorette, sometimes they can get stressful because mm-hmm. like everyone wants something different or the groom or bride might have certain expectations. Right. Um, but that being said, yes, I, it was like that just very positive female
0: energy. Yeah, it was great. That
1: I—that you don't realize that you're missing until yeah. you're in it. Yeah. It's so
0: true. It's so true. Like, you know, it's really important to have a good group of girlfriends that are right mm-hmm. by, by you, by your side. And same for guys, like having a good group of guy mm-hmm. friends that you can hang out with and mm-hmm. rely on. So we had a fun little like time in the woods together. Yeah, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Make we should just sacrifices. do it again like we were <laughs> yeah in our witchy coven but um i was just like we were joking when we were out there like oh like how much would this cost to just go in on a place together like we could yeah. totally just like buy a house which you know meg and i have talked about this countless times of mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. we should just buy a cabin in tahoe where we just split it amongst like whoever however yeah. many of them and just use it as a property investment and also a vacation home. No, like why the fuck yeah be and super
1: fun us us being optimistic and knowing that our friendship, uh, you know, uh, our friendship is so strong that like we like any problems around like oh who gets like who's who gets the house or whatever right. I don't think whatever exists between oh, us no, absolutely but like not. like I would so love to like split like a compound with friends yes. right. A compound. Um, yeah, <laughs> I forget where I was actually going with this, but it had to do with our, our offspring at some point. I, in my head, yeah. I'm like, I hope that like our friendship is so inspiring that we can split a property together. And even our, the generations to come mm-hmm. from us, they will uphold that. They'll yes. be like, you know what? This is the bought, um Punchall <laughs> Gesner, you know, house <laughs> that will always be that way it's never gonna belong to just yeah. one of us but i i understand no. that that could totally happen once we die <laughs> <laughs> oh my god wow well, meg is really like
0: thinking all the way i, I am i've thought about this in depth um <laughs> no but it's so true anyways, gotta think about yeah. that at some point but yeah we just yeah. we just had a good time it was good energy yeah. all around <laughs> so my antidote for today um actually
1: you know the bachelorette was great it was a great mini vacation it was great to celebrate harini it was great to catch up with girls like women i haven't seen in a while Mm -hmm. um everyone was absolutely wonderful my second part of my antidote is that i um got a job offer and i will be accepting this position and i will be officially in a new position or yeah job by um early september and
0: that's awesome that's Very excited. Yes, I get to keep mm-hmm. Megan for a little long. I'm so yes, excited about. It means, so, it means yeah.
1: I get to stay in San Diego and hang out with my
0: friends. I know. <laughs> I love it. It's <laughs> so funny because we were, we've been, um, me and they have been trying to find a place in San Diego. And we went to go see some places in Escondido, like, kind of, like, mm-hmm. further north or, like, at Encinitas. Encinitas. Yeah. And Dave's like, what do you think about this? And I legit was like, uh, it's too far from Megan. <laughs> oh. And he's like, oh, oh my God. But so okay. Sweet. Yeah, that's very <laughs> He, like, understood. He was, he understood. like, not happy about it. He's like, but he's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Hey, Dave knows I got that hookah. If yeah, he he everyone like, wants a <laughs> hookah night. He needs to be close to I Megan. I know so. Megan's not going to schlep it to freaking Escondido. <laughs> Come on, no, I would but, do it for you. You, know, I know, you know that. But it is so funny. <laughs> All, right. All right, that's that's, that's a it. wrap on this one. I really enjoyed this episode. Thank I'm you. glad you were able to do the teacup poisoner. So, Poison Pals, we're gonna head on out of this episode. If you. Are so inclined and love this episode like we did please leave us a rating and review it helps us so so much and yeah. now on to the next thing on to the next, <laughs> we'll just, to the next which is <laughs> Megan take us on out of this episode mm-hmm. don't risk it
1: <laughs> I, I want to say don't risk it for the teacup biscuit yeah which is fine because which is you can dip your biscuits in your tea yeah but yeah. honestly i'm still getting that visual of that child <laughs> with their hands against the glass <laughs> looking out and in my head i was like don't risk it for that pudding biscuit but yes
0: you know, I, no 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 oh, i like 100. that one i like that yeah. one don't risk we'll that go with biscuit. don't yeah. risk it for that pudding biscuit yeah, this will be a choose-your-own-adventure biscuit version. Yeah. So, whichever Take you guys like, Poison Pals. Or the pudding. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. We'll give you both. Okay, <laughs> bye, Poison Pals. See you bye. next time. Bye. <laughs>